Hello and welcome to the show that's still no good at Football Manager. As rounds one and two of the FA Cup inspired championship specials here, this week we focus our attention on leagues one and two instead. Who's going up? Who's going down? And how much time's left for beleaguered Phil Brown? We sent Matt Stanger to Oxford United, and there was no room at the inn. We've always got room for Ali Maxwell, though, and Joe Crilly, and the Fan League, and the anthemic roundup music. It's all on the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Oh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Morning, Ian. Ah, that's Ali and Matt there. Good morning, Joe. Hello. Hey, wide awake in the corner. Proud day for you, Matt. It's been a... Uh, you, you've had a colourful history of predictions, but on last week's show you said, and I quote, anyone can beat Arsenal, and so it proved. I'm happy with that one. Thank you, Nottingham Forest. Yeah, they did very, very well. Ali, looking resplendent in your France 98 shirt. Certainly am. Thanks, Ian. How are you? Very well. Always better once I've had the um, the fashion uh, nod of, of, a, of a fashionista like yourself, a sartorial, elegant genius. We've got a lot of stuff on the show today. Uh, we've got News and Brief, we've got the Fan League, and we're going to be taking a much closer look at League One and League Two, because Championships always had far more focus. Let's go then to our sexy news section with its sexy news music. There was far too much excitement at the city ground on Sunday, so Nottingham Forest have done their best to address this immediately by appointing Ita Carranca as their new boss. The 44-year-old Spaniard's been kicking his heels since his dismissal from the Riverside in March last year, and he'll replace Mark Warburton with his new team 14th in the table. Sheffield Wednesday have got a new manager too, Joss Lahouke. That's how we're going with it. Rafa Honigstein gave his verdict on the Totally Football Show yesterday. It's a really interesting uh, appointment because he's basically been off the radar since 2015 when he he left Hertha. I'd be struggling to tell you, you know, what sort of, what his unique talent is. I think he is just a manager that gets a team to play to their strengths. He's very, very pragmatic. I mean, there weren't free-flowing, sort of expensive sides. He was, uh, there are two schools in Dutch football. One is the the Cruyffian and, you know, we have the possession and we play football and the other is sort of the Feyenoord, Rotterdam will win by by any means necessary and we'll, we'll, we'll kick you a little bit. And he is more on that side, um, not in the, se- in the sense of being dirty, but very ultra-pragmatic, just mm. setting the team up not to concede. I like to play on the counter-attack. And it's a really interesting appointment because since 2015 he's basically not been in a job and to go back to a manager two years later and think of him, oh, what about this guy? I think it could be could be quite smart. I mean, he's a very solid, experienced manager, I think is what you can say. Derby County say they would aggressively reject any approach from Stoke for manager Gary Rowett. His current contract contains a seven-figure compensation clause. It runs to 2019 and it includes large bonuses for getting the Rams back in the big league. Why he'd want to swap all that for Ryan Shawcross and a swift return to the championship is anyone's guess. Can you tell that Arsenal supporting producer Tyre wrote this? It's back sack or crack for stressed-out Fulham boss Slavisa Jukanovic this week. He's lashed out at his paymasters and dared them to dismiss him. Will they take the bait? We don't have any clear targets for the direction of the club, he roared. I'm really disappointed with our situation. I expect the club will change their opinion. I don't know if we don't have the money or don't want to spend the money, but we're not competitive enough for the period in front of us. A solution? Probably an option that the club must be thinking about sacking the coach. Well, this can be a good option for the club. Blimey. 
The 18-month relationship between Southend United and Nile Ranger ended last week, 17 months later than I expected, after the club terminated his contract due to recurring disciplinary issues. A statement said those issues included timekeeping, which undermines both the unity of the group and the management. I didn't see that one coming. Wolves' new number nine, Rafa Mir, could have left for Real Madrid instead of the championship winners-elect, and he wasn't shy about introducing himself to his new fans, as well as showing Los Blancos what they were missing. A few moments into his 13-minute cameo against Swansea over the weekend, he took a casual pop at goal from a full 40 yards. Mir explained that... Nuno played a big part of my decision to come here. Wolves is a big project and it's an exciting challenge to be a part of it. And that is your news in brief. Um, Matt, let's start with Karanka at Forest. Uh, did you see that coming? Yeah, well, he was a favourite, wasn't he? Um... <laughs> is it wise, though? It's a big coup in some ways. He's got strong coaching ped- pedigree and uh, took Borough up to the Premier League, of course. But I think there's a lot of potential for it to go wrong as well. He didn't have a huge record of bringing through young players uh, up on Teesside. Uh, he obviously helped develop Ben Gibson, brought Adam Reach through, but that's what the job is at Nottingham Forest, essentially, after we saw those young players perform so well against Arsenal. Well, this is the thing. I mean, you, you watch Forest at any point this season, never mind what happened on Sunday. And for all their weaknesses and inconsistencies, they're a young, vibrant, attacking team. Is Karanka going to change all that? Well, that's what's... That's what it's going to be interesting to, to see because uh, there was no real refined attacking approach, I don't think, at Middlesbrough. But what he did do, as Matt touched on there, was was build one of the best defences we've ever seen at that level. I think in, in his league games at the, in the at championship level uh, with Borough, only 92 goals conceded in 122 league games. So if you, if you can do that uh, at any level, you're going to be up there. The, the question is whether Nottingham Forest's personnel, whether their squad lends itself to that style of play. And at the moment, it doesn't look like that. So what I'm interested in is is what are the expectations for the rest of this season? Is it is it just really to just steer them nicely clear of relegation and then start building for next season. There's still a long way to go this season, so you've got, you've got to hope that the board know what they're doing with this appointment and you've got to hope as well, if you're the fans, that he will keep playing these exciting young players that are, that are doing so well. It's a big test in his first game, isn't it? Aston Villa at the City Ground this weekend in, in a tea-time kick-off. And obviously that's one that you want to win and if, if he does he'll have the fans on side straight away well absolutely I'll tell you what we'll talk about expectations uh, Lahukai at Wednesday certainly no one saw this one coming Ali is is he in really a relegation battle more than chasing for the playoffs yeah I, I suppose so I don't think he's really in either particularly I'm not sure he's mired in a relegation battle and he's certainly not close to the playoffs so a little bit like Forrest I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried that, that they'll get dragged in Unless things just start terribly for either Karanka or Lahukai, and, th- and then of course you're going to start worrying and panicking. Um, but it is an interesting appointment, as you say, out of left field. But then again, Carlos Carvajal was as well, so maybe this is the the sort of mo of of this particular board. And he has got a uh, a certain type, hasn't he, Matt? Yeah, well, I've I've been waiting for this moment for years actually, and being the uh, the UK's foremost Jos uh, Lahukai expert. <laughs> And of course, I know all about his record in Germany, where he won promotion three times to the Bundesliga with uh, Mönchengladbach, Augsburg and Hertha Berlin. So that's clearly what Sheffield Wednesday have taken a look at, even though he's had that breakout of the game, like Rafa said. And I think it'll be more towards building next season, really, and looking to get back into the promotion push then. Do you think he'll get this year as a transitional year? Get his feet under the table? No serious expectations? Absolutely. They can't really be targeting promotion at this stage, given they're 13 points off sixth place. 
All right, Derby are targeting promotion, but they uh, appear to be facing a battle to keep their manager Gary Rower heavily linked with Stoke. Matt, what do you what would you do if you were him? I think it's a really difficult decision to be honest, but I would definitely be t- tempted by that jump up to the Premier League. I think Guy Rout would definitely back himself. He's done a great job at Derby, got them in second, and they're in a brilliant run of form at the moment. But he took over Birmingham when they were 23rd in the Championship in October 2014, and he finished 10th that season. So he'll certainly be confident if he joins Stoke, he'd be able to keep them up this season. And the big risk to him really is the damage to his reputation because there's a lot of goodwill towards Guy Rout after what happened at Birmingham. I think people look at him as the manager that was wrong by that club, and uh, you know he's he's gone on to have success at Derby and and what a mistake that was proven to be by Birmingham. But obviously, if he jumps ship now at this stage, halfway through the season, then he'll he'll lose all of that favour and and start with a clean slate really. Um, so so I think yeah, it's it's a gamble though to stay at Derby also because we look at Mel Morris's record of sticking with managers in the past, and you only have to. Ask Steve McLaren about whether it's a, it's a good idea to hang on there for too long. Uh, but the other thing as well, I think, is you have to you can't really underestimate the difference in the size of these two clubs because as fate would have it, Derby and Stoke traded places in 2007, 2008, and, and Stoke have benefited from a decade now of extra TV revenue in the Premier League. And Rowett, if he joins them, would have the benefit of uh, managing four Champions League winners, of course. What? Four Champions League winners at Stoke. Yeah, Afalai, Shakiri, Hesse and Darren Fletcher. And if you recall, Muniesa and Bojan, who are both uh, out on loan in Spain at the moment, it could make it six. Yeah, Peter Crouch has got a runners-up medal as well. He'd probably get an 11 out of that. Um, Ali, what would you do? I think I would stay. I think they're in a, a, an excellent position. And he, to be honest, regardless of what I think, he appears to be quite focused on the project. Last night, I think it was, or yesterday, Derby released a, a half an hour chat between Gary Rowett and Rams TV. And, you know, over the course of half an hour, he's outlining his, his philosophy, his vision, um, reviewing the first half of the season. And he does so with, with a real sort of steely focus. It's the type of thing that you wouldn't expect a, a a club to release if they were really worried that he'd be leaving so um, you know they're going to offer him the world as well I think Derby because they're in an excellent position I don't think anyone was expecting them to be in the top two probably at this stage of the season but out of all those teams below Wolves you know you have to say uh, and you'd be wrong not to that that Derby looked like the most likely at this stage and he's got them playing brilliantly, just a really well-set-up team and and I think that that they're odds-on favourites to be in the Premier League next season and are Stoke odds on favourites to be in the Championship next season? I, I, I don't know. It's a tough one, that Premier League relegation battle. Joe Crilly from William Hill. Have you got any news which will um, which will alleviate the concerns of Derby County fans? What, what are his odds at the moment? Uh, well, it, it's been quite a funny market, this. Um, when it first opened, uh, Ryan Giggs, who I think is the new Alan Kerbishley, uh, is uh, he was favourite? He was five to one, uh, and he's a name that is in the top three of the betting for every job that comes around now, um, despite having no real discernible uh, qualifications. Um, and then Gary Rowett became the uh, sec- the second favourite of the market, um, and now Slaven Bilic. Very late last night, we saw quite a few bets. Uh, last night being uh, Monday evening, uh, we saw quite a few bets, some up to a thousand pounds on. Uh, Billich being named as the, the next Stoke manager. He went into one to three, but he's drifted again today. He's four to six, Row at four to one, and Martin O'Neill completes the top three in the ah, betting at five. So they might be looking elsewhere anyway. That will certainly reassure Derby County supporters. For what it's worth, I'd stick around as well. I think you could do a lot with a club like Derby. Anyway, when we come back after the break, we're going to be uh, taking a wander down the Hall of Heroes. 
Listeners, you like stats, and so do I. So have a bang on this one. 81% of men who try the Cornerstone Razor don't go back to their old one. I know. Find out more and get £10 off your first order and free delivery too at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. A fantastic week for football league clubs in the FA Cup, um, particularly against Premier League teams. So with uh, apologies to Newport and Peterborough and teams who had fantastic results against bigger football league clubs, we now take a wander down the Hall of Heroes for football league teams in the FA Cup. Nice. Derby County manager Gary Rowett said he wanted to see how his players coped at Old Trafford. Pretty well, it has to be said. They were just six minutes away from securing a replay on Friday night before finally going down to two late goals. Shrewsbury did get a replay. They held David Moyes' West Ham to a goalless draw and they'll go back to the London Stadium for another crack at it. And you know what? I could see him winning that as well. Norwich got a draw too. Not a single shot on target and barely a third of possession. They certainly riled Antonio Conte. The Jamie Vardy derby? (laughs) Didn't even make the squad. But Fleetwood's goalless draw was a fine achievement against the title winners of 2016. They could have done better had they not hit the post. I'm not sure either of them wanted the replay, but uh, well done to Wigan for going to Bournemouth and coming within moments of the win. But let's talk victories. Coventry City, dragged down to the basement by incompetent leadership, but still kicking away. Mark Robbins led the Sky Blues to a fine victory over Stoke City, and after what those supporters have been through, I don't think anyone could begrudge them that. But the gold medal for showing up the Premier League has to go to Nottingham Forest, conquerors of Arsenal, in a frankly hilarious encounter on Sunday. Well done, caretaker manager Gary Brazil. Top that eye tour. Right, let's turn our attention to League One as producer Tayo begins to weep softly in the corner. Uh, Tayo, have we got anthemic roundup music? Yeah, we have. It's a win at last for Charlton Athletic. After eight games without a victory and a horribly drawn-out slide down the table, the Addicts, Addicts, beat Richie Wellens Oldham at the weekend to turn the tide for Carl Robinson. A word for Oxford United, who overcame Blackpool courtesy of a late Jonathan Obika goal. That's back-to-back wins for Pep Clotet's side for the first time since October. We spoke about them last week, but we didn't hex them. Plymouth continued to surge up the table. Their 3-0 win over Berry was their fifth win in seven games. It's lifted them to 12th, just seven points off the playoffs. But poor Berry, they're adrift, 11 points from safety. And it's my pleasure to inform you that Southend are tumbling at terminal velocity. Their 3-1 defeat to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's Northampton was their seventh in eight games. It is not looking pretty at all. <sighs> yeah, it's really not. Can't disagree. Uh, Northampton South End, one of the more interesting games uh, from League One's limited fixture list uh, this weekend. Let's start with Northampton first of all. Um, their midfield for a team that's been clattering away against relegation all season is fantastic. A word should go to Justin Edinburgh, who who brought a few of them in place. Um, Matt Grimes was fantastic. He's on loan from Swansea. Uh, Gigantor Matt Crooks um, is a fantastic player who was at Rangers, obviously. I think he could play higher than League One. John Joe O'Toole, he's always had a lot of talent. Um, 
and uh, you could tell Phil Brown had earmarked him as a danger because Southend were trying to kick him up in the air for most of the game. Yeah, they did really well. Southend, though, in in a bit of a mess. Uh, Ali, you saw you saw a bit of this, didn't you? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is that at the start of the season, with the the additions that Northampton made, that you've touched on there, especially Crooks and Grimes, who are, who are brilliant midfield players, uh, it's always been a bit surprising that they had such a, a, a tough start to the season. So we shouldn't be too surprised when those players start to play at the level that we expect. Um, what I was quite excited about was seeing Hildeberto Pereira come off the bench for Northampton. Um, he was on loan at Nottingham Forest last season, and he became a sort of cult hero because he had this this excellent hair. Um, he got sent off a lot but he was also an absolute tyro down the right flank uh, and he came on and, and set up the third goal on the counter with a great bit of skill. Um, what struck me about this was just really shoddy defending from, from South End, and also the fact that when you watch the highlights after it went 2-1 to Northampton basically all of the chances were Northampton's on the counter-attack so Southend even when trying to batter down Northampton's door it didn't seem and I might be wrong that they were really ever looking that likely to equalise and along with the Lyle Ranger news that I'm sure we'll touch on it's definitely not looking great at the moment if you're a Southend fan is it? Southend were missing Ryan Leonard who's um, in the process it seems of transferring to Sheffield United I, I would think that he would go with a pat on the back from everybody He's a fantastic midfielder who deserves his chance at a higher level. Um, and obviously, Nile Ranger, as you say, has gone. I'm not particularly sure he should have been there in the first place, but enough on that. The thing with Southend was the, the lack of quality in the middle. Now, sometimes it's just in comparison to the opposition. That's where their strongest area was. But so many moves breaking down with misplaced passes. Southend, have, under Phil Brown, they've been a very functional team. Um, and, and I don't mean that as, as a criticism. Sometimes that's what you have to do. And I do think he, he has done a good job. They've got out of the fourth division. They had, up until a few weeks ago, appeared to stabilise themselves in the third division, which is their sort of natural watermark. Um, but they, they really did look to be lacking quality there. And it, it does feel like the fans have turned their brownout banners, um, shouts of brownout from the away end. Um, it, it is beginning to go against him. And, all right, the first goal was a bit freakish and penalties either side, but I don't think there's any doubt Northampton deserved to win. Matt, you, uh, you've been on TalkSport with Phil Brown a couple of times now, haven't you? What, what do you make of him? You know, aside from the, the usual things that get levelled at Brown, what, what did you make of him as a person? I really enjoyed uh, going on the 72 with him. He was uh, obviously hugely knowledgeable about the Football League and... Uh, it's just a shame, really, to see. He was, he was so optimistic when I last went on there at the start of December with him because he was talking about putting a run of form together over December and how, when they got very close uh, to the, the playoffs last season, that's basically how, how it went for them. And, uh, yeah, six defeats out of seven now. It, it, you know, it really hasn't gone that way at all and they're only four points above the relegation zone. And I think the big fear, like Ali was saying, is is the defence, especially with, with, with Leonard leaving now. I know, you know, he sometimes plays at right-back, sometimes plays in midfield, but... Their goal difference, minus 14, and you're looking at the worst of any side outside of the relegation zone, and that could prove to be a big problem for them. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's going to need a bit, of a, a bit of a rebuild, I think. Um, whether Phil Brown will be the man to do that is, uh, remains to be seen. However, it should be said, Southend do tend to be very patient with managers, which is a bit of a departure from how it used to be. Um, so he may still have a bit of time left, but there's certainly no shortage of candidates uh, leading up behind him. It depends, it depends if he gets the, the money from the Leonard transfer to reinvest as well, because it's talk of it being £750,000. And if you can sign a couple of players with that, then maybe it could turn their, their form around. Yeah, well, something certainly needs to happen. 
Let's turn our attention to uh, Oxford. We did have a look at, funnily enough, Blackpool against Oxford uh, earlier on in the season uh, when Blackpool won 3-1. We sent Matt up to the Kassam um, to watch him this weekend. Matt, what did you make of it? Well, they didn't really play the progressive football that we've, we've been talking about and we've seen a couple of times this season. Uh, to be totally honest, it was a pretty awful game, terrible weather and a miserable stadium. I, I really don't <laughs> like the Kassam. Just this concrete dome in the, uh, the middle of... Um, a giant car park and retail park, really. <laughs> Where were you sat? Because you weren't in the press box, were you? You were. Uh, no, I was standing. Were you in the car park on, I, a, on a soapbox, leaning over the fence? I was thinking, yeah, I could po- probably climb on top of uh, the chip van in the car park and watch the game from there. But uh, <laughs> but I sat with the fans, and they do have great fans. Oxford always uh, get behind their team. And the first time I uh, encountered them was at Peterborough early in the season when Oxford came from behind to win four one in that match, and, and the fans were brilliant throughout that game. Um, but <laughs> despite them getting behind the team on, on Saturday, it wasn't a great performance really from, from the home side, I have to say. Although they did obviously get the winner. It was uh, interesting circumstances that that came about because Jack Payne, who's usually the magician for, for Oxford, he didn't have the best of matches out on the, the right-hand side of the midfield. And Alex Mowat came on with about 10 minutes to go, uh, came off the bench. And his very first involvement, he hooked in a free kick with his first touch and set up John Abika for the winner. So I was just about getting ready to leave at that stage because I was absolutely freezing. I was thinking, there's no way any anyone scoring in this match <laughs> nothing will happen I'm out um, can you see him getting into the playoffs or is this you know a season for Pep to figure stuff out and then move on next year I think that's exactly what it is it's a transitional season uh, it could have been a different story actually the other day when uh, they had Gino Van Kessel who's, who scored quite a few goals this season and he had a one-on-one in the first 15 minutes of the game and if he converted that I think the Oxford perhaps could have gone on and, and put together a much more convincing victory uh, it was quite ironic actually that he messed up that chance because there's a feature in the match day programme talking goals with Gino and nice. uh, <laughs> I was just flicking through that as, as he missed that chance uh, probably see, saw more block shots in that game than any other I've ever watched in, in my life which sort of, sort of um, explains exactly how, how the game went but I thought Blackpool did, did pretty well especially considering they were missing Carl Vassell who scored a couple of goals in that 3-1 victory over Oxford earlier in the season they had this midfielder Ceci Dalmeida who missed two great chances early in the second half and he's had quite an interesting career 22 year old midfielder who's with Barnsley last season but he, he's played a couple of games in Ligue 1 for Bordeaux and he was uh, with Paris Saint-Germain B too so maybe someone to keep an eye on all right um, Blackpool Ali um, kind of in limbo at the moment aren't they well, in in freefall, I would say uh, they they started the season so well and looked like they were flirting with the playoffs, and I think that's now only two wins in their last fourteen games. It, it, it's quite simply relegation form, ten points from fourteen. Um, ever since the really the the good news uh, came out about um, you know potentially looking more likely that that some new owners would come in, which is of course what the fans are, are looking for. The performances on the pitch have dipped, and I, and I'm sure that's a a coincidence or. or or, or f- for other reasons, and and that their fast start was probably um, a bit of a hot streak, but definitely something for, f- that will be concerning Gary Bowyer because the the amount of losses in the last few months has been quite alarming, and you know they're only five points now above the relegation zone, and, and at the moment looking downwards. Is there any sign of anyone coming in to take over? Not that I've seen, but no. um, I think there's probably still, you know, with with all of these things, it, it never takes a month, does it? It never even takes two or three of these things. Searching for the right person, making sure if you're the owner that you're getting a deal that you like, um, doing due diligence, it, it, it takes a long time and, and um, they're, they're very much in that process, I think, at the moment. OK, let's have a quick look. Uh, Plymouth, we spoke about them last week. Um, 3-0 winners over Berry, Matt. 
Yeah, great way for Diago Raga to sign off as well. He's, he's moved on to Fleetwood now and uh, he got a goal in that victory and, and, and Plymouth up to 12th. It's incredible turnaround this season. There was a guy on the message board that I was looking at last week who said he'd put money on Plymouth to go up. They're only, I think, seven points off. Yeah, there's that there's that one playoff spot really uh, occupied by Portsmouth at the moment in sixth. Um, they're on 41 points. Bradford in fifth, seven points above them. So there is a bit of a leap. It looks like there's that one spot to play for. And, and, and given Plymouth's momentum at the moment, you know, it, you can't exactly rule them out. Yep, so many teams who consider themselves in with a shout for that, but not Berry Alley, because Berry are six defeats on the bounce and six without a goal. Yeah. <laughs> You know there's something wrong when, when Ryan Lowe, one of the great football league pros of the last, well, two decades pretty much, um, leaves a late one in on the goalkeeper for no reason whatsoever and picks up a straight red card. The, cl- the team were already 2-0 down at that point. And it, it seemed to be a, a, a familiar story for Berry because if you watch the highlights, they hit the bar. They had a couple of half chances, but when, when push came to shove, they weren't good enough. Um, they weren't playing as a team and, and they got completely outplayed actually by Plymouth, who, who played some brilliant stuff going forward they, they just had no answer for Ruben Lamirez and Kerry and, and Taylor who sort of links them all together from from the center forward position and I think that's the story of the season they just cannot stop the opposition from scoring and elsewhere uh, there was a win for Charlton finally uh, Carl Robinson not particularly happy he's calling for clarity he says he's identified targets um, but he can't do anything until the ownership sorted at Charlton either um, so I suspect they're going to miss out on the playoffs but Oldham Richie Wellens, friend of the show, um, we, we spoke to him just before he got the job. He's now six games without a win. They're only one place above the drop zone, Matt. Um, this is his first big test, isn't it? Absolutely. I think they've been competitive in quite a few of those games, despite going on that losing run. But, uh, you know, they lost 1-0 to Shrewsbury in, in the last game before Charlton. So, so they're losing to sides at, at the top end of the division. But uh, the interesting thing, really, at Oldham is they obviously brought Paul Jewell in to try and perhaps had a bit of experience as assistant manager to Richie Wellens then, and he's already resigned from his position. So that hasn't gone well at all. The, the other interesting thing about Oldham, um, they've been also going through a process where there's a foreign investor who, who used to be an agent in Dubai who's maybe getting involved with the club, and that's taking a few months. But it, it appears from the signings that they made at the end of the transfer window in August, and now this transfer window, that he is having an effect because they've just signed the new greatest name in the Football League, Zeus de la Path. Um, who right. is a Curaçaoan goalkeeper. Um, now, the, the, the thing that makes this even better is that their two goalkeepers are now Johnny Placide, who, who's from Haiti, and uh, Zeus de la Paz from Curaçao. So pretty unusual, that. And shows, I think, the, uh, the influence of a, of a potential Zeus. foreign investor. Right up there in the top ten greatest footballer names ever. A list which I will always believe will be headed by the South African forward Kermit Erasmus. <laughs> <laughs> When we come back, we'll be playing the Fan League. Welcome back to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. It's time for the Fan League. Uh, You know all about the Fan League. Get it on the App Store. Type Fan League. Very easy. Pick a win. Pick a draw. Pick an away win. Uh, 13 games on the slip. This week, four of them are in the Championship. Let's have a look at them now. Um, Starting with what must be a banker for an away win. Barnsley against Wolves. Ali, any reason to believe that Wolves won't win this? No. (laughs) Matt? Well... They've had a couple of interesting results recently. They drew 0 0 at home to Sunderland and drew 2 2 away to Millwall. Now I'm going for a Wolves win. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Can I, um, Ali, can I keep hold of Paul Heckingbottom? Because he's being linked 
with uh, with jobs again. Didn't obviously get the Nottingham Forest one, but it seems like every time a decent sized club in the Championship changes their manager, he's linked. Yeah, and and they've survived, so to speak, quite a few of those um, over the past eighteen months or so. And you know, it looks like he will continue to be linked for those jobs. You've got to think at some point one club will, will take that interest to the next level and. Um, it, it all comes down to him, really. He's so linked intrinsically with the team. He's from Barnsley. Um, they've been through a lot together. Um, but at, at some point, you know, th- that doesn't really last forever. So you would have thought that it will happen at some point, but yeah, perhaps I'm not. I'm always not reminded of Steve Tilson at Southend, who got back-to-back promotions, beat Manchester United, and was, I'm fairly sure, offered a West Brom job, Nottingham Forest job, Norwich job, countless others. And he said all along, because he's... Southend, Essex boy, through and through, said, no, I'm not walking away from this club. And uh, then they got relegated and then relegated again. And then he was briefly at Lincoln. And I haven't heard from him in a while. Um, So make of that what you will. Next up, Hull against Reading. Hull, Matt, um, how did they get on the FA Cup? I missed it. I think I missed this one too. No, they they beat Blackburn 1-0. We we obviously brought in quite a few uh, reserve players, though, to to freshen up the, the side a little bit. So... I don't think you can really judge Hull too much on on that performance. It hasn't really gone brilliantly for Nigel Adkins, though, since he took over. I mean, one thing that we could always say about Hull earlier this season was that they score goals. And I think in uh, five of his six games so far in in the Championship, they've failed to score. So that's that's obviously a big problem for them. Um, Ali, Reading... Every time it looks like they're playing their way out of trouble, they play their way straight back into it. Yeah, the tide has definitely turned against Yapstam. It's getting quite toxic, I think. And on the weekend, we saw that as well. I think they'll be happy to be playing away from home here because um, at the Majeski, they're having a tough time at the moment. But I think for Hull, it's a great time to play Reading, and I'm going to pick Hull here. All right. Uh, Middlesbrough, Fulham. Uh, Tony Pulis seems to be settling in quite nicely at Borough. Um, Fulham, on the other hand... (laughs) I don't know. They'll make 20 chances. Will they score any of them, Matt? It depends on AK-47, what sort of mood he's in. <laughs> I, th- I can see Middlesbrough home win for this one. They got that great result against Preston the other day, um, ending Preston's nine-match unbeaten run. So I can see them getting another uh, victory here. Uh, Ali, this is Roundheads versus Cavaliers, isn't it? and we know how that ended. A fantastic meeting of, of entirely different styles. I'm going to go for a draw. Ah, right. Finally, Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa. I'm, I'm calling FA Cup hangover. Yeah, I think Forrest, having done that against Arsenal, will lose like 3-0 at home to Villa. I'll go with new manager Bounce Ooh. and Eric Lehigh against his former club on the back of two goals in that brilliant FA Cup victory as well. Back in for a hat-trick. All right, proper narrative war. Ali? I'm going to agree with you, Ian. I think that Villa will win this one. Yeah, John Terry's back, isn't he? He played in the Villa team that somehow managed to lose 3-1 at home to Peterborough. Um, he's not very good against small, very nippy strikers, and Jack Marriott will be hugely encouraged <laughs> by the fact that he, he's given John Terry the run around there. All right, that's the Fan League. You find it on the App Store. Search for Fan League, and if you want to play along with us, um, search for me, Ian McIntosh, and join our Totally Football League League. When we come back, League Two. Right, let's have a look at League Two. Producer Tayo, hit the anthemic music.
Kaboom! That's the sound of back-to-back victories for Accrington Stanley. They wallop Chesterfield 4-0 to banish memories of that worrying five-game losing streak in December. It's just one point from a possible 18 for Jack Lester's men, though, and they are back in the drop zone. Forrest Green jumped out of the bottom two thanks to a debut goal for Ruben Reed against Port Vale. It was a case of first half good, second half... Jesus f***ing Christ! For Colchester as their 1-0 lead over Cheltenham was turned into a 4-1 defeat. That was their first defeat since November, but also their third game without a win. Stats, eh? In the age-old battle of the Mariners versus the Shrimps, Morecambe came out on top, beating Grimsby 2-0 to ease their own relegation fears. Lovely stuff. Got through that without anything untoward happening. Right. Accrington Chesterfield. Um, ever since we covered Chesterfield on the show, I've had this weird soft spot for them um, because they've got so many problems behind the scenes, so many problems on the scenes. Um, Jack Lester seems like a really decent bloke. Um, he's taken over and tried to turn him around in his first job, and it started really well. They were they weren't winning games, but they should have been winning games. Then they were winning games and rising out the relegation zone. And now, my God, they're in trouble. Yeah, well, four nil thrashing at Accrington Stanley the other day who have finally got over that little slump that they had in December and look to be pressing back towards the automatic promotion places. And pressing uh, quite literally being the way they did it. Chesterfield very much making their own problems um, with extended periods of titting about with the ball at the back, which, and, and I mean this with great affection and love and respect, they're not good enough to do. Uh, Accrington, very strong, very physical team and just, yeah, there, there was only one way that was going to end. I'll tell you who I did like though. I liked Accrington's centre-back, Ben Richards-Everton. Six foot five, would head away a jumbo jet if it came into the penalty area. And when I looked him up, because I have to confess I hadn't heard of him before, uh, he started his career at a club called Romulus, which <laughs> pleases my inner Trekkie. They have, they have that terrible rivalry with Remus, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's been, he's been a, a great find for Accrington as, uh, as they... They have to be clever with their signings, and they're doing it so well. Caden Jackson as well, who, who signed in the summer um, from Barnsley on a free transfer, and, and he, with a bit of game time, with electric pace, already looks like he should be playing at a higher level. So that's the way that if you're a team like Accrington Stanley with a budget like theirs, you can start to improve the club on and off the pitch, and they're it, doing it brilliantly. Yeah, it is extraordinary how well they're doing. A crowd of 1,655 which is about standard at Accrington, um, and they are just outside the automatic promotion places. So um, that's a hell of a job they're doing there. But Chesterfield, you do worry. When, when you get games like that, confidence drains away very quickly. I think you can see that the contrast as well when you have goal scorers like Billy Key and Jackson in, in your lineup as Accrington do. And Chesterfield have relied so heavily on Christian Dennis this season, and I think they've scored once now in the last six matches. And that's the real issue for, for Jack Lester at the moment. And he's talk about a takeover there as well. And there's so much uncertainty about that team that the little boost that he had when he first took over just seems to be fading. Yeah, and that takeover is going to have to happen quickly um, because if it comes in after the transfer window, they're, they're going to be playing out the back end of the season with that squad and that level of confidence. No boost of new arrivals, which unfortunately for them, Forest Green have got. Um, because Forest Green won, they're out of the drop zone. Um, and a good start for one of their new signings, Ali. 
definitely it, it's no surprise to anyone who followed uh, non-league football that Forest Green are spending money they they had a lot of it at that level and they're showing their capacity to, to get players in they signed three players last week Farron Rawson Gavin Gunning and, and Ruben Reed, and all three of them straight into the starting lineup. what a great luxury that is for manager Mark Cooper um, two of them Rawson and Gunning playing at the back and uh, Ruben Reed scoring a brilliant debut goal two of those Rawson and Reed, they, they've paid fees for as well so when you look at those three at the bottom at the moment Barnet, Chesterfield and Forest Green you're not sure whether Chesterfield and Barnet really have the resources to be buying three first teamers at this stage of the season whereas Forest Green are able to and, and that could be the difference. Matt when I've watched Forest Green this season I've always thought they're a little bit short of the quality um, you watched them at the weekend have they just bought that quality? Yeah, I think so. The uh, the the, back, the new, two new defenders, Rawson and Gunning, did really well. And obviously, they're up against Tom Pope, who's scored eleven goals this season, is always a handful. Uh, I thought that was perhaps a little bit of a gamble for Mark Cooper, to be honest, by putting two new st- signings straight into his, his back five. But uh, but it paid off. I mean, they'd lost five games in a row before that Forest Green, so so they really did need a result here. And Reed, I think he's a brilliant acquisition from from Exeter, especially partnering him with Christian Doidge up front. And it was actually the two that linked up in uh, the build up for that that brilliant debut goal from Reed. Yeah, Port Vale have been uh, quite the form team as well. In fact, even after that result, they're still sick from the form table in League Two, um, ten points clear of the drop zone. So can't really overstate what fantastic result that is for Forest Green. Much the same way, you can't overstate what fantastic result it was for Cheltenham away at Colchester. Um, Ali, Colchester were winning at half time. Then what happened? Yeah, uh, Kyle Reed sent off just on the brink of half time when they were one 0 up, and and from from Mark Langdon, whose match report I read, um, it, it did seem like you know that that was really the the explanation for what happened in the second half. Yeah, um, manager John McGreal uh, said of the dismissal, "I don't want to hang the lad out to dry." but it was pivotal. <laughs> yeah, and I think, uh, as far as I can tell, it was a pretty stupid dismissal as well, pretty unnecessary, just as you're about to go in 1-0 up, and in the second half they struggled to contain Cheltenham, who, who obviously charged charged forward and, and ended up with four goals. So I'm not reading too much into this result uh, for either side, I must say. The race for the playoffs in this division is absolutely fantastic. Just three points separate third-place Coventry and 10th place Swindon um, with the teams currently in the playoffs Accrington, Wickham, Lincoln and Mansfield all on 43 points uh, this is going to be the division to watch isn't it in the running? Yeah and I'm sure it was the same last season as well, what, what tends to happen is you get to the last two games and there's still 10 teams in with a chance of, of getting the playoff spot so it's, it's absolutely fantastic to follow and um, luckily we'll be doing just that of course Exactly, God bless you with the corporate branding um, Great result for Cheltenham uh, Great result for Gary Johnson, He's seemed really really happy with this um hardly surprising given that his son's been getting all the headlines recently it's about time he got some praise as well cheltenham up to mid table now probably going to be safe now matt yeah i think cheltenham will be fine and they've got mohammed isa in attack who's scored quite a few goals for them this season as well i think uh, it's a bit of a worry for colchester though because it looks like sammy smoddix is going to be off to bournemouth for a million uh he's their top goal scorer this season with, with, with 11 goals and uh, he makes some brilliant driving runs from midfield and Three games about a win for them now has seen them drop out of the playoffs. It's a huge move, isn't it, from from League Two to the Premier League for Smodex? I mean, yeah. what an effort and what a few for a few months he's had since he's come back from injury. And the final game in that division, uh, Grimsby losing two 0 at home to Morecambe. Grimsby have only one goal in their last six games. Ali, 
Uh-huh. Huge, huge problems with the fans and the board at the moment. A real disconnect between the two, and it's and it's affecting Russell Slade as well. Half the fans saying well, it's not really his fault. We just hate the board, and half the fans seeming to say, well, we actually want both of them out. It's a terrible <laughs> run that they're on. Uh, they conceded laughable goals against Morecambe, both in the first half, both accompanied by huge boos from the the Blundell Park faithful. So, um, really bad vibes there at the moment. And, and Morecambe, every time you think that they're going to get dragged into a relegation battle they go and record an away win so so you know full credit to them for doing that yeah another team doing very well on very limited resources let's have a look then to joe crilly from william hill and uh, get a few odds joe forest for promotion ita karanka announced last night as manager uh, be a hell of a thing if he could take him up from where they are now to promotion in his first half season yeah, definitely. Um, and, and Ali touched on it. Karanko is obviously a very defensive manager, uh, and that's probably the area that they need to sort out the most. So if they can put a run together, it's not out of the question, but the odds are 300 to 1. So 300 to 1? <laughs> yeah, make of that what you will. OK, I'm filing that carefully under out of the question. Let's have a look at some of the smaller teams who made it through to the forefront of the FA Cup, in particular Yeovil and Newport. Um, good draws for them? Yeah, both cracking draws, aren't they? Both at home, Newport to Spurs and uh, Yeovil to Man United. So, the, and and obviously saw at uh, at Newport against Leeds, uh, the pitch was a real uh, leveller, as they always say. There <laughs> was <laughs> nothing level about that pitch. <laughs> in the, in the old uh, FA Cup cliche, as well as being a banana skin, it was also a a leveling pitch. So, um, if you want to back them both to get through to the next round, Newport are thirteen to two and Yeovil are seven to one. So both very much outsiders to do so. What, what can you get on a on a cheeky double for the pair of them to make it? Well, let's all stick a quid on it, and we'll be uh, sixty pound richer. Sixty to one. Yes. Uh, okay. Let's have a look then at the TV games. Uh, Corker on Friday night as uh, Josh, Matt, you say it for me. Joss Lehuke Lehuke uh, takes uh, his first game and it's the Sheffield Derby um, up against Chris Wilder's uh, resurgent Sheffield United Um, what can I get on a good start for Joss they're 7-2 to win this match away Um, the home win is 8-11 and it was an absolute corker of a game last time out wasn't it and uh, Sheffield Wednesday after a shocking start uh, pulled it back to 2-all and then proceeded to uh, implode (laughs) again and lose uh, 4-2 so I mean looking at it uh, Sheffield United haven't been in great form uh, recently Sheffield Wednesday may get the new manager bounce Um, 13-2 for uh, both teams to score and Sheffield Wednesday to win looks like a good one for me I don't think you do odds on whether games will be any good or not. I would say that's going to be very, very good. Saturday noon <laughs> might not be quite as exciting, with with apologies to the broadcasters for me killing that one for them. Uh, Cardiff against Sunderland. Neither team in great form at the moment. Both desperate for a win. It's going to be a scrappy one, that. Yeah, that's right. But uh, Cardiff, given their lofty position, despite four consecutive defeats in the league um, are favourites to win it uh, they're 3-4 to four, which is a price that I really do not like at her because it just looks like a, a fraction rather than a, an actual betting price um, Sunderland 19-5 to five. I mean there's worse prices that you could go for given Cardiff's recent uh, troubles in the league and the draw 5-2 to two. and Saturday tea time I feel all Elton Wellsby Sunday's ITV, Brian Clough's Forest against Graham Taylor's Aston Villa. Not maybe not quite, but uh, but hey, Forest Villa. Yeah, um, it should be quite a good game. Uh, Forest fresh on the, the the back of their 
FA Cup uh, victory against Arsenal. Um, two to one to win the game. Aston Villa seven to five, and the draw eleven to five. Thank you very much, Joe Crilly of William Hill. I tell you what, talking about that, we had uh, we had lots of questions in this week. Thank you very much for all of those. Uh, Ivor on Facebook wants to know what will happen to Villa if they don't qualify for the playoffs. Matt, do you think Steve Bruce would survive that sort of thing? <laughs> um, well, there's, there's already been talk of the the fans wanting him out early this season, and I think he'd be under a lot of pressure. To be honest, I don't know if he'd want to stick around if if, if they really? don't. They don't make it into the playoffs this season because he was frustrated in the summer, wasn't he, with a, a, a lack of money to spend owing to that close FFP margin at Aston Villa. And I think it, it'd be the same situation again. Ali, is there anyone in the shadows or indeed in the dressing room who might step up to take over? Maybe a big name central defender who's just got back from a sore toe? Yeah, uh, John Terry in the house already, so to speak. Um, it would be a, a huge problem. Because the more years you spend outside the, the Premier League, the the the, the, the more diminished your, your parachute payments get. And, and Aston Villa um, will be in their last year of parachute payment payments next season. That would mean they would have to keep cutting the wage bill, keep cutting costs in order to to not basically be facing financial doom and gloom a few years down the line. So um, yeah, if if Bruce doesn't get them to the playoffs, I cannot see him either sticking around or being invited to. More teams under pressure. Moshi Aaron on Twitter asks, is Thomas Christensen under pressure? The owners didn't seem too happy about what happened against Newport, Matt. Yeah, it was a pretty miserable performance from Leeds and uh, the owner, Andrea Radrizani, tweeted afterwards, congratulations to Newport. And he also said that uh, it was the lowest moment for him since he's joined Leeds. Ouch. So it's three games without a win for them now and I think, yeah, it's it's a little bit of extra pressure on Thomas Christensen, who obviously safely navigated that run earlier in the season of of seven defeats in eight matches and pulled leads through that, so so he'll need to do the same again. Yeah, it does seem like there might be an even lower moment coming very soon. Uh, Word two for friend of the show, Ed Quoth the Raven, who says, uh, given that Forest Cup success was built on on youth, which was forced on them by FA transfer embargoes, vis-a-vis should the FA be handing out more transfer embargoes? I suspect that's not really going to help too much but it it is a sign of what you can achieve with an an actual linked up far-sighted youth policy isn't it absolutely but i I think a lot of the players that that impressed so much against arsenal would have broken through anyway such as ben brayton and and joe worrell and uh, they've got kieran dowell on loan from from everton as well who's been in great form this season but it's yeah it's an interesting idea certainly (laughs) let me be the first to predict big money move to the Premier League for, for Joe Worrell this summer because if there's one thing Karanka's going to do it's make Worrell look even better because that, that defence will get better and um, I, I think Worrell will will be very pleased in that sense. Big shout there and one more from Dean Gripton who was on the show a couple of months ago uh, he asks can Peterborough capitalise on their FA Cup glory and win at Leaders Wigan on Saturday? Ali? I don't see why not Peterborough on their day are absolutely fantastic team. Now Wigan of course have their day more often than not and um, they at their best are quite clearly the best team in the league but um, if Peterborough can can click then they have the attacking players to do it a really interesting thing from Peterborough recently was Kiefer Moore uh, Fee agreed with Ipswich and Grant McCann was the one to say actually I think that's too much I think that the, the transfer outlay is too much for the club and, and told Barry Fry not to, to confirm the deal and now of course he's turned up at Barnsley so interesting to follow that one <laughs> right that's all we've got time for thank you so much for listening today Ali where can we hear more of you you can hear more of me on the Not The Top 20 podcast um, coming soon with the return of my co-host from Australia excellent that is of course George Ellick uh, Joe where can we find you on the internet 
Um, I am on Twitter at footy underscore Joe for witty bants. Head there for witty bants. Uh, Matt, uh, anything good on the set pieces at the moment? Well, actually, we've got the return of your Everton project in. Have we? And that, I wouldn't say that's good. No. It's definitely not going well. <laughs> no, it's really not and may not last much longer. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, why not shout it from the rooftops? Give us a nudge on Facebook or Twitter or Insta Snaps or whatever the hell you people are using these days. It's always appreciated. Next week, we welcome Caroline Barker back to the studio. But until then, see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Hello there, it's James Richardson here. I don't know about you, but listening to that theme tune takes me back to altogether happier times. The ice cream, the pink newspapers, the, the double espressos, the hair... For those of you who don't start doodling during our Italian roundups on the Totally Football Show, well, here's some news you've been waiting for. From mid-January, we're going to be bringing you a brand-new weekly podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest events from Syria and turning the clock back to the good old days, you know, when the national team used to go to the World Cup. The name of the show? Like you didn't know already. Golazzo! The Totally Italian Football Show. You can subscribe now on Audio Boom, iTunes, and everywhere else you get your podcasts.